Power Windows and Doors of Wisconsin's wide range of beautiful wood designs can be painted, stained, or unfinished to complement any decor. Put no money down, no payment, and no interest for up to 24 months. Visit PowerWI.com. Expires 9-30-2022. Certain restrictions apply to showroom for details. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. It really is. A remarkable life. I, I, I've been, like many people, I've been watching the reports of Queen Elizabeth in Great Britain, who uh, appears to be very, very ill. And she's at one of the castles in Scotland, and the family is rushing to be around her, which would indicate that, that at least that there are very, very great concerns about her, her health. I've, I've always thought that the whole concept of, of royalty has been odd. I mean, Elizabeth is 96 years old. Her son, Prince Charles, who is next in line for the throne, is 73. You you, you set up the situation where, essentially, from Charles's perspective, you're, you're trained to to take over to be the, the king, and you you spend your entire life essentially waiting for your your mother to step down or pass away. It's 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 just a very bizarre sort of setup. But when you talk about a, a life well lived, that is certainly Queen Elizabeth. Um, she. I, you know, I, I think for a lot of us here in this country, we, we don't, we tend not to pay attention to what goes on in other countries. And I think one of the, the great things on, on Netflix, for example, that they've had the, the miniseries, the, the Queen, which kind of follows her at different stages of her life. And the show, it's a little bit slow, but it's actually, I think, very, very interesting. And some of the things, if you just look at all the stuff that's gone on in the world, Elizabeth, took over she ascended to the throne in 1953 her father um had passed away the year before from lung cancer at, at the age of 56 years old she was 25 years old at the time she took over now keep in mind what what had happened was her her father had taken over after his brother decided that he was going to abdicate the throne um, because he was wanted to marry a woman named Wallace Simpson who was divorced, and you couldn't have that happen. It, it was probably all for the best because um, the guy who was in line to be the, the king was, well, had Nazi sympathies and things like that. So in any event, Elizabeth's father took over, led Great Britain through World War II, and the immediate aftermath of that, and then passes away at the age of 56. So she ascends to the throne in 1953 at the age of 25. Think of, of all the things that have gone on in this world since since 1953 and all the different things you've seen. I mean, she's ruled for over 70 years. It's just, it is absolutely incredible. I was kind of curious, so I looked this up. She the way it works in Great Britain is when there is a change of leadership, the new prime minister goes to, uh, again, the Buck Buckingham Palace to meet with the queen and request permission to form a new parliament. It's kind of a, it's a procedural thing, but it's, uh, I mean, a, a ritual there. There have been, since she has been the ruler, there have been 15 different 
prime ministers. I was just looking at the list. Winston Churchill, um, who, of course, lost his bid to be reelected after World War II and then came back, took over in 1951. So you had Winston Churchill, you had Anthony Eden, the, the list, Harold, Harold McMillan, um, Harold Wilson, Edward Heath. It just goes on. Margaret Thatcher, um, John Major, Tony Blair, Gordon Brown, David Cameron, all these different names, Theresa May, Boris Johnson, and now Liz Truss, who, who just is the latest prime minister. Fifteen different prime ministers. Since 1953, to give you an American perspective on this, there have been three, six, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There have been 13 presidents. So she she has been the ruler of Great Britain during a time that we have been through 13 presidents, starting with President Eisenhower and now to President Biden. It's just a, a remarkable example of, of a life well lived. And again, we everybody hopes for the best. But again, a lot of the reports that you're getting suggest that um, her health has taken a serious decline and the family is all you know rushing to Scotland to be with her, regardless of, of whether she recovers or whether she passed away it's just it's i don't think that you're going to see uh, certainly a a reign like hers over the last 70 years i think it's just sort of unprecedented and like i said earlier it's clear clearly an example of of a life well lived and, and keep in mind i mean for a large chunk of people who you know are are from great britain she, she's the only ruler they've known. I mean, it's 15 different prime ministers. You know, we've been through however many presidents, 13 or whatever that is. She is the only ruler. I understand in, in large measure, if you're the Queen of England, it's like a, it's a figurehead position. But still, she's the only ruler that anybody, you know, under the age of 70 ha- has known in Great Britain. It's just an, an absolutely staggering historical accomplishment, and um, I think everybody is certainly hoping for the best. All right, when we come back, why can't they get bus drivers? It's a why question we'll discuss. Stick around. One of our texters points out that, well, well if, you, if you're looking for a little bit of background on this, that the Queen, if you get Netflix, is a very it's a very interesting miniseries. I think they're through first the first four seasons of it, and some of the episodes are admittedly slow. There, there's no question about it. But nevertheless, it gives an interesting picture of the history of, of Queen Elizabeth through the years. Uh, another interesting movie that's out there is The King's Speech that got a lot of attention. That kind of documents her father, um, you know, Prince King George, you know, who was a stutterer, you know, and some of the things that he was doing. I just got finished reading a book. I, I, I I've been fascinated with, for for some reason, the, the whole notion of appeasement and, and and parallels between like what happened in World War II and perhaps parallels to what what happens in our modern times. And so I've been reading a number of books recently that talk about, um, you know, the the rise of um, you know Hitler and Germany and all these conditions leading to World War II and how the forces of democracy dealt with that. And one of the books that I was reading, it's it's coming out in paperback in a month or so. It's called Traitor King: The Scandalous Exile of the Duke and Duchess of Windsor. And this is it's about you know, Prince Edward who was in line to to take over the throne and ended up. You know, stepping down in favor of of his brother Elizabeth's father, and it just talks about what a what just a slime that that Prince 
Edward was, uh, the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, and it, it kind of follows you know, their life afterwards, but they were Nazi sympathizers, and there's no question that if he had continued to be the King of England, if he had become the King of England and, and stayed that during World War II, I think there might have been a much different outcome because his views of, of Hitler and Nazi Germany was much, much different than certainly Winston Churchill's and a lot of the free world. So it's kind of interesting. The book is called Traitor King. Just got done reading that. All right. Let us switch gears. Our number, 855-616-1620. And again, I think we're... Um, we're, we're we're leaving this building in a couple weeks, and probably not too soon. Our our phone lines continue. We only have a couple, so normally we have, normally we have lots and lots of phone lines. We only have two functioning phone lines right now, but the text line works. So it, it's just if you call in and you get the busy signal or you get the the annoying computer voice saying all so all phone lines are busy right now. We 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 understand. It just kind of is what it is right at the moment. Okay, so here's the deal. School is now back in session. This story comes from Franklin, although it might be going. In your kids' school district as well. Bus routes in Franklin have been canceled. Um, the parents were notified yesterday that 18 bus routes in Franklin have been canceled for at least the next three weeks. Um, the school district works with something called First Student Bus Company. And the, the problem is they just they cannot get enough school bus drivers that that's the, the problem that they have and we've also had a problem that like what happens is they don't have enough school bus drivers to begin with and then you know when school bus drivers call in sick and things like that there's <clears throat> there's just no backup so they ask some of their drivers to work double shifts and things like that but there's there's just a limit so you, you now have this situation where you have at least 18 routes that aren't going to be covered for the next couple weeks that is a hardship for the parents school system clearly not happy and the, the school bus drivers the, the school bus company they're, they're not happy either because you know you've got unhappy parents you've got an unhappy client but the problem is they can't find enough people to drive the buses all right now it's kind of interesting because that raises the question to me of of why is this going on Right, well, here's the deal. If you are a new driver, inexperienced new driver, though, no experience at all, here's what the company will do for you. You will get 40 hours of behind the wheel and in-classroom training. The bus company will also assist you in getting your commercial driver's license with paid training. So they will pay you while you're getting your CDL. And as lots of people know, I mean, once you get your CDL, that opens up a whole world of different driving that you could do without just the regular driver's license. So what they do is they'll give you 40 hours of training in behind the wheel and classroom, and they'll pay for you while you're getting your CDL. Starting pay for the Franklin Public School drivers. So if you're gonna drive the, the bus for Franklin, they start with $22 an hour. That's the starting salary. And on top of that, you get a $3,000 bonus. Now I don't know when the bonus is payable. I don't know if it's, um, they say it's, it's a sign-on bonus. I don't know, I assume you have to work there a little bit. But 22 bucks an hour, paid training, paid training while you get your CDL, and a $3,000 sign-on bonus, 
and they can't get people who are willing to do that. All right, our number is 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, this is th- this this is a problem with school bus drivers, but this is not a problem that is unique to school bus drivers because everywhere you go, you find help wanted signs out there. You know, I was going through a McDonald's drive-through the other day. They got a big sign in the window looking for for people starting salary starting salary fifteen dollars an hour completely no experience at all I might have told this story on the radio before i was at a restaurant i liked the other day I, I was talking to the owner and she was explaining to me that now with school back in session all, all the the bus kids have, have left bus boys bus girls whatever you want to call them and i was just kind of curious i said well how much do they make and she was telling me um, she was saying, well, you know, they share tips, so you can work three hours at this particular restaurant and you can walk out, you know, on a, on an even mediocre night, you can walk out with 80 or 90 bucks in, in your pocket for just a couple hours. And nobody can find people to work. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Why? Why is it that you can't find somebody who's willing to be paid while they get trained to learn how to drive a school bus where they're going to start at $22 an hour and get a $3,000 sign-in bonus and be paid while they're getting their commercial driver's license, their CDL, that they can then use to do stuff other than driving a school bus. But the company is going to pay for them to have it, and yet they can't find people who will do this. Why do you think this is happening? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and I'll give you a hint. See, I, I just... I, I don't think it's the starting salary. I mean, I, I don't think if they pay $25 an hour instead of $22 an hour, I don't think it would make any market difference. If they paid $30 an hour, I think they'd still be in the same boat. I think there's a larger issue that's out there. What do you think? 855-616-1620. The Gunslinger is back where he belongs. Catch Brett Favre with Jen, Gabe, and Chewy Monday mornings at 7.30 on 94.5 ESPN and again at 5.15 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. Presented by Orthopedic Associates of Wisconsin and sponsored by Concordia University of Wisconsin and Island Resort and Casino. Now, a couple people are texting in and they're saying, well, you, you have to understand that, okay, it, it's most of these jobs are part-time. And so it's a split shift, and so that makes them a little bit unappealing. And who wants to drive a school bus with unruly kids? Okay, but we didn't have this problem before. You know, we we didn't have an acute shortage of, of school bus drivers before. This is something which is unique. It was always the split shift. It was always the unruly kids, but they never had problems or significant problems finding enough drivers to fill the slots. Now they do. There's something going on besides the I mean, look, I, I understand why you can make an argument that driving a school bus is is not necessarily the, the greatest job in the world, but they never had problems filling these jobs before. What's going on now? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Dave. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes, Jeff. Uh, I, I'm actually a CDL driver myself, and... A lot, we're having a hard time finding drivers because a lot of people can't pass the drug test. A lot of people don't have a license to begin with. Yeah. And you have your CDL, $22 an hour, you're not going to leave. You know, that's just not enough. 
to be, you know, to put a lot of CDL drivers are making quite a bit more than that. Yeah, but see, but they, but they'll they'll pay you. They will pay you and train you while you get your CDL, and they can't even get people to sign up for that. So I mean, look, yeah. it's, it's not like they're luring. I, I understand what you're saying. You know, if you're a long haul trucker, why are you going to drive the school bus? But they can't even <laughs> they, they can't even find the, the people that don't have that that they'll pay to train to to drive. I I just um, what do you? I mean, you you think it's the drug thing? People can't pass the drug test. I don't think a lot of people. I think a lot of people don't have their license to begin yeah. with. I I think it's. I think people are just. It's a tough thing right now. I mean, it's not the majority of people, but there's a lot of people aren't protecting their license like they used to. Yeah, no, it could be. No, thanks for the call. We're going to continue this. Got to take a quick break for the news. Our number is 855-616-1620. We've got a lot of great texts. And I, I mean, I have some theories on this because, again, I, 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 I appreciate people saying, well, this is why this isn't this desirable a job. It's split shift and it's you've got the unruly kids. And I appreciate all that. But but we we never had this problem before. Well, at least not to this degree. And it's a problem that extends beyond like just the school bus drivers. But we, we have people that just flat out don't want to work or don't feel that they need to work. And, and how do we how do we change that if we if we can? 855-616-1620. They're getting some breaking news. Right. Uh, Jeff, something I think we've been expecting for a little while. NBC News, at least, reporting that Queen Elizabeth II has died at the age of 96 years old. We'll have plenty more coverage on this throughout the afternoon here on WTM. You know, the ama- she's ruled for 71 years. Yeah. She took over in 1953 at the age of 25 after her father passed away at the age of 56. I was just recounting this. She, she's been through... 15 separate prime ministers. There's been 13 presidents since she, she ruled, took over at the age of 25. For, for anybody in, in Britain under the age of 71, she, she's the only queen that you've ever known. It, it's just, it's, it was an amazing life. Just an absolutely amazing life. Well, when you think about just the generations and the eras she's gone through and the right. history that she has not only seen, but also have been a part of it is, it, it is remarkable thinking she was alive during World War II and then, you know, made it all the way through through 2022 right exactly so i mean a classic example of a life well lived and we will have lots more during the course of the of the afternoon i still i'm just fascinated by the fact that they can't find people to drive school buses anymore and they can't find people to do all sorts of stuff what's going on we continue the conversation 855-616-1620 which is the acunate mortgage talk and text line uh, I, what got me started on this is that Franklin, if you're just tuning in, Franklin is canceled. Like eight, the school system has canceled 18 school bus routes because the company they work with can't find people who will drive school buses, and and they they pay twenty two dollars an hour to start. They'll give you a three thousand dollars signing bonus. They'll give you forty hours of training, and they will give you paid training while you get your commercial your CDL your commercial driver's license, which opens up all other worlds. And and they can't find people to do it. And I guess I I mean I understand that all right it's a part-time gig with split shifts i for for many people i understand that i also understand that you're driving you know school buses with potentially unruly kids but we've always found people to do those jobs before what what what's going on now that they're not desirable um and you know one of our texters made an interesting point that 
um, a lot of the, the gig economies encouraged a lot of people who might have, for example, been interested in being a school bus driver. Well, now they're delivering packages for um, you know Amazon or, or something like that. And I'm, I'm sure where you don't need the commercial driver's license, and maybe there's there's an element to that. Although I I don't know if necessarily those package delivery people get paid more than you do with the school bus. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. But where where are the school bus drivers going to to come from? Let's talk to David in Mequon. David, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. So I told your uh, call screen a couple things. One, I honestly believe, and I hate to say this, but it's sort of like the trades. We always talk about there's a lack of electricians, plumbers, carpenters. This kind of falls in that segment, and being a school bus driver, I think there's a lot of younger people who are just not interested just because it's the position, it's kind of mundane. Um, and for whatever reason, there's been kind of a negative, I think, connotation uh, uh, against, you know, trades mm-hmm. and some of the things that we're used to having. And as the baby boomers retire, the younger generation is not coming in to replace that. And then the second thing was, I mentioned to him, if you look at the percentage of people that are actually driving a car from the, even the late 80s, Kids that would get their driver's licenses, they're waiting longer to even get a driver's license, and they're not even driving at all. So if they can't drive a car, mm-hmm. they're certainly not going to be able, they're certainly not going to be interested in, in doing a bus or, or a truck or something of that nature. That's da- just my opinion. David, do you agree? What, part, of my premise, part of my premise is that... It, 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 to a large extent, it's it's not necessarily the hourly wage. By that, I mean, if you if you made it twenty five bucks an hour, or you made it twenty eight bucks an hour. I, I still don't think that that would be enough to attract people for some of the reasons you're you're saying. Is is this just beyond the salary that they're paying? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things, and and then again. Even when you look at the trucking industry, they're short there too. And 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 again, I think it's just. There's a lot of things I think that people are just not interested in doing something of that nature for whatever reason, and they don't look at it as uh, right. you know, something that's 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 a good job apparently. You know, thanks to go. Well, I have one of my texters. I think it's hilarious that you think twenty-two dollars an hour is a living wage. Well, we're not necessarily talking about this as a full-time job. I mean, a lot of the people who historically have driven school buses, it's it's been a part-time thing. It's been. All right, you've got the college students, for example, who you know have have classes in the morning, so they they pick up a shift driving the school bus in the afternoon. Maybe it's the um, the stay at home mom or or something like that, and the kids are a little bit older now, so you you know you end up driving that. Maybe it's the you know, people who are the, the early retirees who decide, hey, well, this is it's something to do. It gets me out of the house, and I'm making money. It, it's not this isn't a full-time career. Those have never been career jobs, driving school buses. But the point is, people have always done it. And yeah, I think for a part-time job, I don't think 22 bucks an hour is anything to necessarily, you know, turn up your nose at. But regardless, we've always been able to get people to do that before, and now we can't. Now, maybe the nasty little texters thing does raise this other issue where people don't feel that you know it's that $22 is worth their time and, and maybe we have created that with all the different benefits that we pay out and things like that the idea that well you know if you if you work 
well, you're going to have to, then you're not going to qualify for this government benefit or that government benefit or this other government benefit. So why, why work if you're in a situation where you can do almost as well? You know, again, getting being essentially on the dole. That's that's a huge problem where people do not have an incentive to go out and and work. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Duke in Green Bay. Duke, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Um, I think your last caller pretty much hit it on the head. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the the baby boomer age is gone and a lot of those people filled those jobs now you commented on mcdonald's before that yeah. for 20 years mcdonald's made a living at hiring the empty nester mom yeah. she was dependable she was honest she could make change for a dollar they're gone the the millennia, uh, the millennials have taken those jobs now you ask the millennial why wouldn't they work that job well one is you got so many kids for the last 20 years that were told they got to go to school. That dried up your labor pool for your blue-collar jobs, not just driving buses, a lot of them. You got to go to school. You got to go to school. You got to go to school. Well, I got to start out at sixty or $70,000 a year because I'm in debt so far. Yeah. So, you know, really, that, that, that baby boomer whole crowd is either dead or retired now. Millennials don't want to do that job, and they don't want to do it because they're told they got to go to school. They got to go to. I mean, look at all the blue collar jobs. Mm -hmm. They're all struggling because kids were told they got to go to school. Well, now they don't want to do those jobs. So, so what, is there an answer? Like no, no, and I, I don't disagree with anything you said, Duke. Is, I, is there an answer, or this is this just a new normal that we're going to be dealing with? I think it's the new normal you're going to deal with. What you ought to be doing is have some millennials call in and ask them because everything's fallen into their lap. All these jobs got to be filled by them. I mean, look at all the politicians they're going after them because they're the biggest segment of people out there right now. You should be asking some millennials why not. You know, I mean, it's, it's pretty common knowledge, like I just said. Uh, people my age and baby boomers would do those jobs, and not. But right. they're, we're all gone. We're yep. all gone or retiring. So right. Right. ask the millennials and see what what they say. Well, th thanks. For, I'm 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 open to that. Um, you know the 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 idea is. I, I think the the idea is we th those jobs are viewed. I think partially as they're not attractive jobs. That that's it. You know because you actually you know you have to get out and you have to you know you have to get out on the streets and you have to drive the bus and and there's there's a degree of responsibility that comes with that and and maybe the idea is everybody would much rather sit at home and you know put in computer codes and things like that and that's how it would be. I think part of it is that we have created a disincentive. For, for work with our benefit system that's out there where we pay people. And, you know, we talked about this the other day. We, in many cases, we pay people more to stay home than we do to actually go out and, and work. I think also, um, after the, you know, COVID and the great resignation, you had a number of people who ended up retiring. And that was one of the, the sweet spots where you'd find people who'd be bus drivers. It would be the, the early retirees. And some people have just decided, well, okay, I, I don't, I don't need that extra money right now. I, I'm more happy being retired. I don't need the aggravation. Now, I think 
that might change. I think you're going to see people who might have dropped out of the workforce, maybe taken that early retirement. I think more and more of them are going to be looking for ways to come back at some point in time. But I I mean, for for some people, some people, oh, they they need to pay more money. I I see. I really don't think that's the answer. I mean, I think you could pay 25 bucks an hour or 28 bucks an hour and, and you'd still have the same problem because people just don't want to work. These jobs aren't viewed as attractive. And I don't I don't have the answer for it other than to say, you know, maybe more parents are just going to figure out that they're going to have to take responsibility to get their kids to school. Because if you don't have the bus drivers, you, you can't you can't run the bus routes. Let's talk to Joan. Joan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi. Um, I think the one issue that I guess was touched on was the fact that you've got to have a clean catch urine to be a CDL licensed driver. And, you know, with edibles and weed more available it's a little harder to yeah. get people who uh, qualify and it's even things like um say that there's a boat that does a you know a tourist area that does a music tour right. and uh, the guitar the guitarist has to be certified through the coast guard and as part of that they got to be clean too so yeah. it impacts a lot a lot more jobs than people realize um yeah absolutely no it, it's it, i'm sure that that's a I'm sure that that's a factor that's out there as well. So, you know, I, I look, I, I bring, bring this up because it, it is an ongoing problem. And I know if, if you run a, a business, no matter where you are, you, you're experiencing the same thing. You, you can't find help for the entry level jobs. Um, or for important jobs, but jobs that are comparatively unskilled. And I'm, I'm not knocking being a bus driver. You, you need that CDL, and, but they'll train you. They'll, they'll, get, they'll give you the training and they'll pay you while you're getting the, the CDL, but you can't find people doing it. And for again, and again, at risk of repeating myself, for everybody out there who says, well, it's, it's just, it's the economy that, that's out there. And you know, this, these aren't these desirable jobs. They were always desirable before. You could always find people to do them, but this has changed. And unfortunately, I think this is going to be the, the new normal. And whether it's whether it's looking for the, the bus kids at restaurants or the dishwashers or, I, I don't know, fill in the blank, a lot of these entry-level jobs that we used to sort of take for granted and people would be willing to do them in an effort to either get a foot in the door and get some skills or as a second job or as a part-time job to kind of, I don't know, just buy a couple things on top of the regular gig. I, I, you can't, these jobs are there. You just can't find people to fill them. And I don't know what to tell the people in Franklin other than get ready to keep driving your kids to school. Hey, Wisconsin, the leaves are starting to fall, and you know what that means? It's time to get your home prepped for winter, and that means it's time for the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase presented by Great Midwest Bank. This week, we're featuring Bruce's Team, senior real estate specialists. Visit their website at brucesteam.com. It's Wagner's Home Improvement Showcase on Wisconsin's radio station, 620 WTMJ. Just to to wrap up our our conversation that we've been having about the, the shortage of school bus drivers and the larger problem, the shortage of work, a number of people are pointing out that it, it's the unruly kids, that you have a lot of people who just reach the point that, that life is too short and you don't need that aggravation and they don't feel that you know, you're going to get support from the administration and you're going to get a bunch of whiny parents who complain and that even at $22 an hour, it, it's not worth the, the hassle and the responsibility that comes with, with being a school bus driver. And then, of course, that that. that contrast with the idea that okay you can work 
you know, for just a couple bucks an hour less, you can get a job, I don't know, stocking shelves somewhere or, you know, again, working the drive through window at a fast food place or something like that. And, and so why put up with that extra aggravation of, again, having to deal with some of this stuff? And, and I don't have an answer for it other than I don't think this problem is going away anytime soon. Here's another interesting text about this, Jeff, what bothers me. I have been with my company for 29 years, and they are now hiring people off the street with no experience who are making $2 an hour less than me. It took me years to get where I'm at, but just because they can't find anybody to fill the positions, and by the way, I'm a skilled, I'm working in skilled trades as a service technician. I'm not going to mention his name, but that, that's, that's always the, the problem, and it's why when California does things like like they just did, which is pass a law specific to an industry that says that fast food workers have to make $22 an hour. Oh, everybody applauds that. that, that that's great. They're going to make $22 an hour. Well, aside from the fact that the, the cost is going to get passed on to the consumers and is going to go up, you know, I think the average I saw was the, the cost to consumers is going to go up 20 or 25%. That That's just from from that minimum wage. What do you do? With the person that, let's say, for the sake of argument, the, the the starting salary, minimum wage, let's say it's been 15 bucks an hour, okay? What about the people that have worked there for two or three years who are making 17 or $18 an hour? Well, you can't just raise them to 22 You, you have to raise them as well. And, and so if you wonder why you, you get this incredible inflationary spiral, that that's what it is because it's not just, okay, we're going to make our starting salary X amount of dollars for all the people that have been there over the years. Then you have to give them a, a requisite raise as well. And at some point in time, the reality is the money just, it's not there to do it. So I think that's a factor. I do also think, and I understand that this is somewhat controversial, I think it is a, it's a bad place for a country to be where we make it, make, give people an incentive to essentially not work. And that's why I firmly believe that as a condition of employment, as a condition of various government benefits for people who are able to work, I'm not talking about people who are disabled or things like that, but for able-bodied people who are, are capable of working, I think it is perfectly appropriate to require, as a condition of many government benefits, to require them them to work. And I think that's that fills a lot of those jobs and it, again, provides this incentive for people to be productive with their life instead of just kind of collecting money. And I understand that that's, that's a controversial thing and we shouldn't have to require people to do it. But the truth of the matter is, if we don't require people to work and we allow them to just simply go through life on, on the dole, what, what we've done is we've created this nation of dependency. And look, and I, I understand if you say to me, Jeff, you know, do, do you, would you want to work at a, at the window at a drive through restaurant? Well, no, my answer is no, but I, I'm in a different situation. I mean, I, I think for a lot of people, you get that experience. I was, the, the sign I saw up in McDonald's said, okay, we're starting people at 15 bucks an hour, but then, you know, then it was, this is how much, 
you know, assistant managers make, and this is how much managers make. And, you know, we were starting to talk about decent amounts of money, 50 grand, 70 grand, all those different types of things. So, I mean, you start with the business, you work your way up the ladder, and then, you know, you're, you're doing okay. But the trick is you have to have that incentive to go and start at that entry-level job to begin with. All right, when we come back, there, if there is one website you check out today, one website, I will tell you what it is. I will tell you what they are saying. It is what we would call a flagrant act of journalism that, at least to my knowledge, certainly nobody in the print media and nobody in the electronic media has done thus far about the Wisconsin gubernatorial election. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So, Mike, is just reporting that the passing of Queen Elizabeth, I, during your newscast, I was looking at, at all the, these pictures that, that are up there. Um, Dwight Eisenhower was the President of the United States when, when she took over. And there's, look at these pictures of her with uh, the Kennedys and with Lyndon Johnson. I mean, you, you, what an amazing life. Her husband, the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip, he, he passed away last year. He made it to 99. Yeah. No, they have a long, uh, a long living reign there. I mean, Charles is is what seventy five years old or seventy three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so he he probably won't be reigning for another seventy years. I wouldn't think. I just I, and I, I don't I, I don't mean to be flip about this, but it, it is the whole thing about like British royalty and stuff. Where I mean, Prince Charles has been groomed his entire life to be king. That that's that's what you are taught to be. You know, that's that's your mm-hmm. role. You're going to be the king. And so you spend 73 years of your life essentially waiting for your mom to pass away. It's just, it, it's a strange setup. It's the, the whole idea of royalty and the monarchy. It's just maybe alien to me as somebody who grew up in the United States. Yeah, it's it's always interesting to see the, the, the news cycle, I guess, as it is when someone from the royal family passes, whether it's Philip, I, the queen, I think, is going to get obviously a lot more... Right. Um, coverage and stuff like that but it is just interesting to see how big of a pop culture uh, icon maybe is the wrong word but pop culture fixture the queen is it seems you know it's it's As more we of saying, a, the only the only queen that anybody under the age of 70 yeah. in great britain has, has had i mean she's just always always been there do you think that charles what i so i don't know this what what happens now that he, he'll be named king yeah does he come in and make changes does he come in and get a new stat like i'm just i'm interested to see the inner workings of what happens if anything goes differently or if he's like i'm 73 we're just going to keep it moving well I, I mean i think i think the ability to to change dramatically i it's i mean it's, it's sort of limited by what the monarchy is I'm, can i tell a prince charles story yes absolutely. I, I, I was all right <clears throat> this is honest honest to goodness true story and it happened within the last week i was at an event, and I was speak. This was not. I was speaking to somebody who had met Prince Charles, and they were they were at an event in in. I, I don't know if it was in Scotland or if it was in London, but but they met Prince Charles, and I was fascinated with. If you have a chance to talk to Prince Charles, what do you talk about? Right. That was that yes, was my question. That question what, number one. What, what, what would you discuss with him? And so the guy I was talking to, honest to God, said. 
I said, what, what did you talk? Did, how long did you talk to him? Was it just like, you know, you know, your, your majesty or whatever? He said, no, no, we talked for about 30 minutes. We were at the, we talked for 30 minutes. And truth I said, what did you talk to for 30 minutes with Prince Charles? I, honest to goodness, this happened within the last week. He said, thistles. He's a big conservationist. I, I said, thistles? He said, thistles. He's a gardener. Yeah. And they, and the guy I knew was, was a gardener is what they talked about thistles and related sort of things. They, they talked about gardening for 30 minutes. You know what though? That story could have gone in any direction. We, they, they could have talked <laughs> about anything and it would be, I think, just as fascinating. I guess you just find what you know and you, you go for it and. Right. But I'm, I'm like, thistle. Yeah, I mean, thistles, of, huh? all, of all the, I mean, of course. Uh, that that was, I guess, their, their shared interest. Because right, he's a big conservationist, and he's very, he's very, very into gardening. So they talked about thistles for a half hour, and I kept thinking, huh, I'm not sure what I would talk about if I ever have the opportunity to meet now the the new king. But it, I can guarantee you, it wouldn't have been. I couldn't even. I can fake a lot of stuff. After about like two minutes, I I, I think I'm done with thistles. Yeah, w- yeah. Well, what else is there? How you doing? <laughs> you, you know, I, I was going to guess soccer is probably what they would have talked about. At least there's some shared sports something maybe, but I guess how's, gardening. How's Camilla doing? You know, that's yeah. all. You know, all that, all that's all the the stuff. You know, what's going on with the kids? I I don't know what I would have. We, we would probably stayed away from that. I guess thistles is probably a safe sort of thing, but thistles. That's what he talked about. Well, if he ever comes here, I know Queen Elizabeth never came to Milwaukee, but if. King, King Charles, that's weird to say, ever comes here, we have a talking point. We can pitch something. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, we'll, all bu- we'll, all, uh, we'll brush up on our knowledge of, of thistles. There you go. That's it. Well, in any event, it, you want to talk about just an incredible life and certainly a life well-lived, uh, the passing of Queen Elizabeth. And we'll have many more details about that as the afternoon goes on. Let me take a quick break. When I come back, I want to tell you about if you visit one website today, I'm going to tell you what that website is and what stories they are starting to break beginning today and kind of ask a question about, you know, why why is it a website doing this? Why why hasn't the local newspaper been doing this? Why hasn't other newspapers been doing it? But I'll tell you what's going on. Stick around. Football fans, Cover 5 is back for the kickoff of football season. Sign up for Cover 5, a free-to-play sports game for season-long fun. Join Cover 5 for free at Cover5.com or on the free Cover 5 app for your chance to win $100 per week. Pick five games each week, and the best score against the spread throughout the regular season wins a $400 Ticket King gift card. Join the WTMJ contest on the Cover 5 app and Cover5.com for free. I, I, I participate in this. I've done it for years I can't win, but if you actually, if you, if you want to see how I'm doing, I'm on there, there on my own name and last couple of years have been kind of rocky, but it's a lot of fun. You, and it's, it's easy. You pick five games against the spread for people who don't know what that means. It means if the Packers are favored by three over the Vikings and they win by 10 over the Vikings, you get seven points. You know, that, that the, the difference between the spread and, uh, what the, uh, and what the line was. And, and it goes the other way as well. So you can lose points as well. If you pick some team to win and they're the favored and they lose by 25 points, which happens from time to time, you lose 25 points. In any event, um, you can play each week all season long. Cover five, beat the spread, score more points. Use code WTMJ22 to join. Visit WTMJ.com for all the contest rules. First, first game, if you choose to play, is, is tonight. So you can, if you want to get in on that game, you can participate. Number of people are texting me saying, 
that that Prince Charles story, Jeff, what what exactly are thistles? Well, okay. First of all, a thistle is the Scottish national emblem, which probably might explain part why Prince Charles was particularly interested in in thistles. But uh, what do they say here? A thistle is the common name of a group of flowering plants characterized by leaves with sharp prickles on the margins, mostly in one particular plant family. Prickles can also occur all over the plant on the stem and on the flat part of the leaves. That is all I know about thistles, and candidly, that's all I care to know about thistles. But if you ever have an opportunity to sit down and talk to Prince Charles, if you know thistles, he will probably find you to be incredibly fascinating, soon to be King Charles. All right. I, I always I thought this was a peculiar thing for Tony Evers to have said back when he was running for office, other than the fact that he is sincere about it. Tony Evers is your classic soft on crime, bleeding heart liberal. And, and I don't necessarily say that in a pejorative way. Tony Evers made it his goal to reduce the Wisconsin prison population by 50%. He's on record as saying that. Now, there's only two ways you can do that. First of all, you have to create policies. You have to appoint judges. You have to appoint district attorneys who are not going to aggressively prosecute criminals to put them in jail. That that's, that is, is number one. We want to look for other alternatives. Oh, we don't care if the guy's, you know, been involved in stealing cars for the last eight years. We want to find alternatives to putting them in jail. That's where Evers comes from. It is a position that I find to be dangerous, and I think you have seen this play out over the last couple years, the effects of the the soft on crime, the no consequences thing where you turn dangerous people loose, and instead of reforming themselves, all they do is commit crime after crime after crime. So one of the ways you, you reduce the prison population by half is you don't put new people in prison thereby, in my opinion, endangering us. The other thing you do is you take people who are in prison and you figure out ways to release them. And and that's been one of the subtle missions of, of the Evers administration from the beginning, turning people loose on parole. Now, uh, several months ago, finally this got some attention when it came out, remember, there was a guy who had murdered his wife in front of their little children, who the judge at the time had said this guy should never be released on parole. And yet Evers Parole Commission, led by the, the guy that he had put there, handpicked to put there, they, they were going to release this guy on parole. The media got a hold of it. The family was out there, you know, raising all sorts of uh, grief about this. And, and finally, Evers had to intervene because it was an election year. And he recognized how bad this was and ended up firing the, the, his handpicked parole chief. But as, as I've cautioned, th- th- that was an election year thing. I would not be surprised at all to see if Evers gets reelected that somebody, I don't know, similar to this is put in charge of the parole commission. Because, again, Evers is about releasing people in addition to not having people go to prison. Well, what is the effect of of, of these parole policies. Who has been paroled? It, it's kind of like, remember when we had 
the, the, the Waukesha Christmas Parade guy, Daryl Brooks, and, and he was out on some stupid low bail. And the Milwaukee District Attorney tried to play this off as, as a one-off sort of thing. Well, now we're starting to find out it, it wasn't a one-off thing. It was just it's a regular occurrence where people are released on stupid low bails and they go out and they commit more and more crimes and now people are starting to focus on that and maybe some of the judges are are starting to pay a little bit of attention but the public is certainly starting to pay attention but the point is this wasn't a one-off thing so the the argument that was made when that the guy who had murdered his wife in front of the little kids was going to be set loose on parole. Oh, this is just a one-off thing. This is an aberration. Well, there's a website. I've got a link to this story. It's called Wisconsin Right Now. It is a conservative website. It's um, run by you know a, a couple people, Jessica McBride, who's a former reporter for the Journal Sentinel, who had a radio show on our station for at least a little while, a number of years back, but her and a couple other people, that they put this together. And one of the things they do is they, they use open record requests to explore stuff that everybody believes is happening, but that nobody, for whatever reason, chooses to, to track it down. And I've got a link to this story. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 But I've got a link to the story. Let me... Let me share with you the, the first portion of what is a, a lengthy report. Quote, we will not release violent criminals, Tony Evers promised voters in 2018. That was an insidious lie. Governor Tony Evers' parole commission has released at least 884 convicted criminals, freeing them early on parole, mostly into Wisconsin communities, including more than 270 murderers and attempted murderers and more than 44 child rapists. The list from 2019 through 2021 includes some of the most brutal killers in Wisconsin history and some of the most high profile. The cases span the state from Kenosha to Rib Mountain, Wisconsin. Wisconsin right now has documented through a public records request. How brutal are these killers? Carl Boletsky, then 39 of Oconomowoc, shot and decapitated his bank manager wife Kathleen with a large kitchen knife and then tried to burn her head in a wood-burning stove in 1982. Newspaper articles from the Times say that Boletsky, who was worried she was going to leave him, placed Kathleen's headless body in the trunk of a car, dumped the body in a cornfield, and then went to drink liquor. Boletsky, now 79, was paroled in August 2019 by the Evers administration and now lives in Hatley, Wisconsin. There are many cases that rival Boletsky's in their outright brutality and don't think they're all old. The average age of the released killers and attempted killers is 54, and they range in age from 39 to 79. Even though they've only been out for three years at most, 16 of them have already reoffended or violated the terms of their parole, according to corrections records, including one man released on a parole who is now accused of strangulation. Okay, so it now appears apparent that Tony Evers' parole commission over the last three years has been releasing people convicted of incredibly dangerous crimes, and a number of those people, surprise follows surprise, are reoffending. Okay, so that continues. Um, uh, let's see. Joseph Rowling shot and killed his mother, his stepfather, and his eight-year-old half-sister while they slept in 1982 inside the family's mobile home in Fond du Lac County. He told his sister he was planning to get rid of everyone in the family to have free run of the home. 
Rowling, 56, was paroled by the Evers administration in June of 2021 and lives in Oshkosh today. In another particularly heinous case, Terrence Shaw randomly murdered a young mother, Susan Erickson, who worked at a lacrosse hospital, raping, stabbing, and strangling her after spotting her through her home's picture window while driving past. They were strangers. He called it a really bad day. He used his car, um, let's see, um, uh, he was paroled in September of 2020. And then the the piece I've got a link to up on the website goes through the details of a number of other people who have been paroled by Tony Evers, including, let's see, Wisconsin right now obtained the names of every criminal paroled through an open records request. We found the following killers, attempted killers and rapists. First degree intentional homicide, 171. First degree reckless homicide, 62. Felony murder, 18. That's a situation like where you don't pull the trigger yourself, you're the, the the getaway car driver in the bank robbery, your partner goes in with a shotgun, shoots the teller, you, because you're part of the, the conspiracy, that's what they call felony murder. Second degree intentional homicide, 18. Second degree reckless homicide, 3. Homicide by intoxicated use of a vehicle, 2. Um, you know... <laughs> And then they, they start breaking down the, the, the backgrounds of the people who've been turned loose over the course of the last couple of years. And it does go back to the fact that when Evers got elected and he said, we're not going to release violent criminals, he wasn't telling the truth. It's staggering the number of people who have been turned loose by the Tony Evers Parole Commission and the offenses they've had. It's also stunning to me that nobody in the media has picked up that this has been going on over the better part of the last three years, and that raises the other question of why. But this is going to be a regular feature over the next two months, the people that have been turned loose, put back out on the street by Tony Evers, and we know a number of them have already reoffended or violated their parole. But again, if your goal is to reduce the prison population by 50%, Only two ways you do it. You don't send people to prison in the first place, and you appoint judges, and to the extent you get a chance to appoint DAs, you support and or appoint DEAs who aren't going to send people to prison, and you release people, including people in their 50s who have committed multiple murders. It is staggering that this has been going on. Now, remember, remember Ernest Blackney. That's a name we, we, we can't forget. Just he's the guy who just died in the shootout with police the other night on, on, in the Water Street Bar District. And it was after a high speed chase. He was a guy who, um, two weeks earlier had killed his live in girlfriend and then burned the house in effort to kill, conceal the murder. Police were looking for him. They saw him, high-speed chase, gets out of the car, and you have this gun battle that occurred, you know, Friday night, Saturday morning, in the, in the Water Street Bar District. Innocent bystander was, was hit. There's still, I don't know if it was hit by police shooting at, at Blackney or by him shooting at the police, but it was just a horrible situation uh, on all these different levels. Well, it's made worse by the fact that he, for, forget a past criminal record, he had, within the last month, been convicted 
by a guilty plea of second degree of, of assault of a uh, sexual assault of of a minor of a child and the district attorney's office was getting ready to recommend six to eight years in prison well what whatever argument you might want to make before somebody has been found guilty for, for bail, letting somebody loose on bail because there's still a presumption of innocence, that, that no longer exists. Once you are convicted, you know, you're, you're no longer presumed innocent. He was going to be going to prison. His attorney said to the Milwaukee County judge, well, he'd like to stay out on, on bail while he gets some things, quote unquote, wrapped up. Well, now we know what those things were. He intended to go kill his girlfriend. <laughs> so the judge let him out, continued his bail instead of, in this case, I mean, I'm critical of the DA's office for a lot of stuff. The DA's office tried to get him remanded. They said, hey, look, he's going to jail for six to eight years. Why for for uh, sexual assault of a child? Why would we let him out? And the judge, in a moment of, I don't know, fancy, said, well, okay, you know, he's made his appearances before, so I'm going to put him back out on the street. And now as a result of that incredibly poor decision, a woman is dead, another woman has been shot, and you've had a shootout on, on Water Street. It, th- I guess the point is here that we do not do the general public a favor by li- bending over backwards to allow dangerous people to stay out when they should be in jail or to allow them out of jail early. It minimizes the significance of their crimes, number one, but number two, it puts the public at risk. And if you don't believe me, have you been following this story out of Memphis, Tennessee yesterday that essentially had the entire city on a lockdown? Let me share the account as it's presented in the uh, Wall Street Journal, but there's all sorts of other accounts out there as well. A gunman in Memphis, Tennessee, killed four people and injured three others in a day-long shooting spree, setting off a citywide manhunt before a 19-year-old suspect was arrested. The gunman shot victims at separate sites across the city in a rampage that began in the early hours of Wednesday and continued until the evening. I mean, this went on for hours and hours and hours. Um, the city largely came to a standstill as police hunted for the assailant and asked residents to shelter in place. This would be the equivalent of saying, all right, everybody in Milwaukee County, we want you to shelter in place because there's a madman on a rampage. The police connected the suspect, identified as Ezekiel Kelly, to the rampage in the early evening. That was when someone using a name associated with Kelly filmed himself on Facebook Live opening fire inside a store. Before the the store shooting, the police had found shooting victims at three separate crime scenes, according to a timeline from the Memphis Police Department. At this point, the police alerted residents that there was a shooter at large. City authorities suspended transport services, and a stadium where a minor league baseball game was underway was locked down. The uh, city tweeted, if you do not need to go out, please stay home. The gunman moved on from the store and continued his rampage throughout the city, according to at least three more people. He carjacked someone at gunpoint shortly before police spotted him in a vehicle and arrested him following a high-speed chase. Various weapons were visible inside the vehicle. All right, police didn't provide any details about the identities of the victims. All right, well, here's 
Here is the dazzling detail that should be instructive to instructed to every prosecutor, every cop, and more importantly, every judge, and people who serve on parole boards as well, like the people that Tony Evers has put on parole boards with an idea of releasing people early. Memphis Mayor Jim Strickland said the shootings wouldn't have happened if the suspect had still been in prison. Kelly was released in March after serving 11 months of a three-year sentence for aggravated assault. The charge had been downgraded from attempted first-degree murder. Okay, so here you have a guy who tried to kill someone. They, they plead it down to aggravated assault. He still gets three years, and they turn him loose after only 11 months. I mean, it's just... It's the craziness that exists as we bend over backwards to try to take dangerous people and put them back out on the street and think that something is going to be different. Because the answer is, it's not. And now because, again, in Tennessee, officials made the decision to release a guy after serving less than a third of his sentence, they put him back out on the street, three people are dead, more people are wounded. And and yet we continue to have prosecutors and judges and people who support them who adopt this theory that yes, let, let's take these dangerous people, let's put them out on the street. Let's people who let's take people who have committed incredibly horrible offenses and let's minimize what they've done by saying, Oh, you cut her head off. Well, okay, you you've served twenty five years, we'll put you back out on the street again. What an insult to surviving family members, what an insult to victims, and what an insult to the general public. Green Bay opens their season Sunday at Minnesota, and we've got you covered. Greg Matzik gets you ready for kickoff with Green Bay Game Day at noon on 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee, our sister station. Then after the game, Greg Neitzel, Homer, and Mark Tauscher have three hours of reaction on a pack attack post-game right here on News Radio 620 WTMJ. Get the very best game day coverage this Sunday and all season long on 94.5 ESPN and News Radio 620 WTMJ. Well... Milwaukee made the national news today. Headline in the Wall Street Journal. Police car owners wrestle with growing thefts of Kia's Hyundai's. Thefts fueled by social media challenge surge from Atlanta to Seattle. And it talks about how all across the country you've got the equivalent of the Kia boys who are ripping off Kia's and Hyundai's. The Wall Street Journal reports Milwaukee was one of the first cities hit by a wave of Kia and Hyundai thefts and is thought to be the base of groups such as the Kia Boys that made viral videos showing how to steal vehicles and encouraging others to do so. Yes, we have to be so proud of what's going on here. Social media companies, including TikTok and YouTube, say they remove such videos which violate their policies. And then it goes on to talk about the astronomical number of cars which have been stolen in Milwaukee over the course of the last couple years. Um, let's see, Channel 4, today's TMJ4, reporting that uh, 6,800 cars stolen by this time last year. It's down slightly, but just slightly this year. The data shows that 68% of these cars were Kias and Hyundais. And today's TMJ4 has a report on on a guy who happens to have apparently the misfortune to own a Hyundai. And he's talking about how his insurance uh, just came up for for renewal. 
said he just bought a used Hyundai SUV, despite knowing that the make and model is the top target for thieves in the Milwaukee area. says it was quick. It was a nice, good bang for your buck type of thing. What he didn't know was the trend is going to cost him more for insurance. He said apparently when he went to insure the thing, they said uh, you're going to pay $3,800 a year additionally for coverage on a vehicle that is a year older. And he said, well, why is that? And they said, well, because you're driving a Kia, you're driving a Hyundai, and these are the numbers. Your car is much more likely to be stolen than most other types of cars. So to reflect that risk, sorry, your insurance premiums are going to go through the roof. He's going, my God, I had no idea that that was going to happen. Now, I think we we all know that... What and the Wall Street Journal you know, makes makes this point. What makes Kias and Hyundai's, at least some models, so attractive is they have the old key. We actually have the physical key that you put in and you turn the ignition. Cars that the more modern cars or the cars that are designed to have that the key fobs where. You, you need the key fob to start the car, and you, you have to push the button and put your foot on the brake, and you have to have the key fob in your pocket or, or in close proximity. Those are much harder to steal than the cars that, use, that, that again, use the, the key lock. And I'm not going to go into how you steal the cars or things like that, but, but that's, that's one of the reasons why Kias and Hyundais that – at least up until some of the most recent models, that they've used the, 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 the key stuff. But now it's a situation where if you drive a car that has, again, a, a key inter, uh, a key ignition system, you know, you're, you're, you're a target. And you're a target, I guess, for any type of vehicle theft. But you're particularly a target if you've got one of those cars where, again, you put the key in the ignition, you turn the key. Like, I know... I want to say probably that the majority of people driving cars do. If you've got one of the newer vehicles, you've got the key fob system, but but there's still a lot of those other cars that are out there. And now we're starting to see it. You are not only victimized by the fact that your car may, in fact, be stolen, but now you're being, I, I guess, maybe the word isn't victimized, but now you're paying this extra penalty because we have allowed things to get so very, very out of control when it comes to car theft, the insurers are responding. And in some respects, you, you can't fault the insurers. I mean, that that's what they do. They look at risk, and they look and they say, okay, objectively, you know, if you're driving one of these types of vehicles, the chances of it getting stolen are exponentially greater than if you were driving some other type of vehicle. And since, you know, insurance is based on risk, what we're going to do is we're going to price this accordingly. So I, the, I, I think it just so interesting to me because the Wall Street Journal is pointing out that just like Milwaukee has threatened to go after the manufacturers, St. Louis is apparently taking the same approach, and they're they're threatening the manufacturer. How dare you produce a, a car where essentially people you know start it by using the ignition? How dare you do that? You know what what a screwed up world we live in. Where that is the response of of officials, the response isn't to say we have a huge problem with bad people. 
that are out on the streets. We have a huge problem with a juvenile justice, and I say that in quotation marks, system that is out of control where kids go out and they steal for fun two, three, four cars a day, knowing that nothing is going to happen to them if if they get caught. And the only time they have to worry is if when they're fleeing police in one of these stolen cars, they happen to run through a red light and hit and kill somebody. Well, then and only then are we going to end up taking it seriously. And the response of, of... city government is to say, well, we're going to go after the manufacturers because, gee, they, they, they still use keys where you turn on the ignition. And that's essentially what, what they're, they're saying. Instead of recognizing the underlying problem, which is there is a criminal element that is out there on the streets that we need to get off the streets. Now, I know I've been on my high horse about car thefts for the last year and a half because it is not a victimless crime. If you have ever had your car stolen, you know, first of all, there's a sense of violation. Secondly, there's a sense of having to, you know, replace your car or get it fixed, and good luck with that in our era of supply shortages. There's the whole issue of, you know, what's happened to your garage door opener and other stuff that you might have had in your car. Are you set up to be yet another victim? So you've got all that. Now you see insurance premiums that are starting to go up. Well, all right, let's not talk about, like, the, the people that are making the cars. What is it going to take for us to realize that what we have to concentrate on is the criminal element? And what that means is we've started, I've got to start getting the car thieves off the streets. So whether you're a juvenile car thief, all right, that means you go to juvenile court or something the district attorney's office in Milwaukee refuses to do, you get waived into adult court and, and, and maybe you go to prison for two years. All right, what? Maybe maybe you do that with the hope that you'll get the idea that you can't go out and steal other people's cars. Now, I understand that might sound extreme, and some people are saying, well, you mean you'd really lock up a 16-year-old for stealing seven or eight cars and leading the police on a high-speed chase? To which I say, darn straight, I'd lock up that, that 16-year-old because otherwise all you do is turn them loose on the streets to prey on us. So if you think that this Kia and Hyundai thing is a problem in Milwaukee. It is. We're kind of like the poster child and ground zero for all these different auto thefts and things like that. But it's a problem that spreads around the country, and it's a problem that I think in large part is caused because we don't want to crack down on these offenders who are stealing the cars. And my question continues to be, why not? Ron sends a text. Jeff, Mayor Johnson has apparently joined former Mayor Barrett on a milk carton holding no one responsible. I, it, it has been disappointing, and I, I think I've been trying to give Cavalier Johnson a little bit of a break, but, but, it, but it is true. I mean, at some point in time, you need to start having elected officials that are starting to willing to call out these things. And, and so when you have ridiculously low sentences on, on car thieves, you, you need to have them use their bully pulpit to say, look at what this judge did. How, how crazy is that? You need them to go to Madison and meet with the legislature and say, look, we, we've got a huge problem here. Let, let's start putting in mandatory minimum prison sentences for people who steal automobiles. Now, you got to understand, 
that takes a, an act of political courage because there's some other people who say, oh, no, how can we, you know, how can we put people like that in jail? Well, you steal cars? I think you go to jail. Jeff, a good way to slow car theft is to buy a stick shift car. Yeah, we talked about that the other day. Young thieves probably have no idea how to drive them. Yeah, I think that's, that is probably true. What is this stick shift sort of thing? But until everybody goes back to stick shifts, bottom line, we are, we are at the mercy in some respects of these criminals. Jeff, there's a sign in front of Lakefront Brewery. Please notify staff if you have a Hyundai or Kia. I know presumably maybe they'll watch it a little bit more. Um, you know, what, what, what can you do? All right. When we come back, thinking about buying a home, we'll have a conversation. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Brewers baseball coming up at the bottom of the hour. A rare. I mean, I remember when I was a kid. They used to have double headers, and they'd have them on a regular basis. And I can remember, I don't know, spending Sunday afternoon at County Stadium, sitting in the upper deck, and they, um, they they'd have double headers. And the games would start at one, and they'd go into the evenings and stuff. We do not do double headers as a general rule now, but because, if you will recall, this baseball season started late because of the lockout or work stoppage or whatever. And so in an effort to get the 161 games in, that they had to figure out how to squeeze an extra six games into the, the the season that would have been played in the first week. And San Francisco was here for one game earlier this spring, and now they're back for just a one-off, a, a, a doubleheader. So um, I understand there's good tickets still available. It's an opportunity to see two games for the price of one. So it, it's it's sort of an interesting option. And Right now, the, the Brewers, they're, they're kind of at the do-or-die stage of, of the season. I think they've got 25 games left. Historically, to make the playoffs, you need to win 90, and that means they'd have to go 19-6. and six. Now, you, you, you can roll your eyes at that, but that's just kind of what the reality is. Now, the one thing that's good is that I think of those 25 remaining games, 19 of them are, are at home. So the vast majority of games are at home, but still you have to win. You have to take care of business, and that means you, you got to start. And there's no better way to start than sweeping a doubleheader against San Francisco. How cool would that be? Okay, for years... If you were interested in buying a home, there were a lot of things that made it easier for you to do that, including the fact that the interest rates that you would pay on on the homes were incredibly low. For example, if you, in the words of my friend Brian Wickard, if you had all the right stuff, you were, at least even as of a year ago, you could get a 30-year fixed mortgage which is what a lot of home buyers do. You could get a 30-year fixed mortgage on on a property. Um, your principal residence, or in many cases, even a second residence, if you were looking to buy a place in Arizona or Florida or somewhere like that for, for retirement or whatever, you could get a place with all the right stuff and like 20% down, you could get a house for 3%, 3% interest, which is, I mean, you know, I mean, it, that, that's pretty good. The new numbers are out. Mortgage rates have just hit 5.89%. That's the highest level in the last 14 years. It's the highest level since 2008. 
Here's, here's the way the Wall Street Journal reports it. Mortgage rates touched their highest level in nearly 14 years this week, another blow to the rapidly cooling housing market. The average rate of a 30-year fixed mortgage rose to 5.89%, topping an earlier high from for June. Uh, this time last year, rates were below 3%, and mortgage rates look set to continue rising. The Federal Reserve has been lifting rates to try to curtail inflation, which has been driving up borrowing costs across the board. And it, so as a result of this, if you want to buy that house, it's now going to cost you a lot more, maybe twice as much to finance it as it did even even a year ago. And on the one hand, the idea is, Maybe this will help stop the explosion of housing prices. You know, a year or two ago, remember we would do all these stories about how you'd have somebody that would put their home on the market for $300,000, and they'd get into this bidding war, and you'd have people rushing in, and they say, I'll give you 310 no, I'll give you 320 no, I'll give you 330 Those days appear to be receding pretty quickly. And and so I guess one of the good things is as far as driving the, the costs up, cheap money, the ability to, hey, you can finance a place at a really, really low rate, that that drove, I guess, the people feeling that, okay, they're asking three hundred, I'll get in a bidding war and I'll pay three forty or, or whatever that number ended up being. Now the flip side of that is that when you buy that house for whatever you buy it at, you're now going to have to pay a lot more in, in interest costs. And the numbers appear to suggest that, that that's going to do nothing but go up. If you're looking at what's going on in the stock market and you're listening to the Federal Reserve, they're talking about how they intend to continue to you know increase raising the prime interest rate over the course of the next several months. So it, it's it's only going to get more expensive to borrow money. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I like to take people's temperature from time to time on on these issues. If you are in the market for a house, what's changed over the course of the last year or two? Are, are you in a position where, gee, I see what's going on with interest rates now, so I'm just afraid I can't afford it? Or is it, hey, I'm, I'm glad interest rates are going up because maybe this is going to help bring the overall cost of housing down? Our number is 855-616-1620. Or are we in a situation where you're just looking at it and saying, well, regardless of where the price is, regardless of what the interest rate is, it just doesn't make sense to me to buy a house anymore. 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It, it you know this is one of these stories about why there, there's there's a t- there's cycles for everything. Because remember, a year ago, a year ago, we're, we're doing topics about how people can't buy houses because what, what's happening there's just no inventory in the market, and when something desirable goes on, everybody's rushing into this, and they're they're offering uh, the example I was given. So you list the house for three hundred grand, and next thing you know, there's a bidding war for people who are bidding more and more. Part of what was driving that was the housing shortage, but part of it was also the fact that you had really low interest rates, so it was kind of cheap to borrow money, so you could afford to pay more. Th- those days. Are disappearing. The the rate which was a year ago less than three percent is now gone up to five point. What's the number? Get it right. Five point eight nine percent. 
that's as of last week, and they, they think it's going to do nothing but go go higher. So what we're talking about is how does this affect you? Jeff, high interest rates are bad, but the interest rate is way better than in 1980 when I bought my first house. It was 12.5%, to which I, I do, the congregation says amen. When we bought our first house in 1988, it was the same sort of thing. I know the thirty-year fixed mortgage was just out of out of range. It was it was certainly it was over ten percent. And what we were lucky enough to do is we ended up getting one of these adjustable rate mortgages for a lot less, and, and it was for five years. But then you you, you had to. You had to refinance within the next five years. So the question was, you know, where is the mortgage rate going to go? If it had gone up, I don't know what exactly we had done. It ended up going down, and we ended up refinancing, and everything was okay. But, but yeah, that that's, again, I appreciate for people who bought houses in the 70s and 80s, you're sitting there saying 6%, 6% would have been a bargain. Uh, a bargain. Um, let's see. Um, Jeff, my wife bought her first home in 1988 1988 with an interest rate of 14%. I think Americans have been spoiled for the last few years with unrealistically low mortgage rates. 6% is historically good. Yeah, it's historically good, but at the same time, we we have a short view of that. You know, there's there's no question about it. Let's see. Um 855-616-1620. Jeff, I refinanced the 2.25% with a VA loan. It would be tough for me to buy now at close to 6% and we really want out of Dane County. Guess I will have to stay there a bit. Yeah, I think that's kind of um I think that's kind of where you are right now, um, Jeff, I'm one of the lucky folks that has a 3% mortgage, and I'm not going to go anywhere in the future. And I didn't overpay for my home. For the rest of society, I do hope that maybe brings down the costs of things that have been ridiculously too high in recent years and maybe causes people to start to live within their means. Right, that's that's one of the things that I think that you have going on now. But at the same time, for people who, and this is one of the interesting market trends that's out there, for people who for example, wanted to sell their home and then said, well, you know what, I'm just going to hold on to my home for a little bit because I think home prices are going to do nothing but increase. Well, you may, maybe you've kind of missed that opportunity and maybe the time to jump on the bandwagon was, you know, last, was, was last year. Now that's not to say that there's not values that are out there. And again, I appreciate 6% historically is, is a good rate compared to, like I say, when I bought my first house in 88. But it's a lot different than 3% a year ago. And I think most smart people think that it's going to do nothing but go up. Let's talk to Craig, uh, Greg. Greg, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, yeah, it's in- interesting. My son lives in Milwaukee, just off Blue Mound, and uh, he's been waiting for a, a buyer's market to come. It just kind of looks like it here, mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know? Yeah. Um, and he's uh, he's been smart enough to you know, pretty much pay off his mortgage and uh, looking for a good buying opportunity. So, um yeah, I I think he's and interest rate isn't going to matter that much because he can you know down right. the road you can always refinance you right. know so uh, yeah I think it's good coming up here um, I think he's going to benefit you know and his family too you know um, so and he's not too worried about selling his house right um, 
like it, it's paid for. So yeah, he, I, he I think probably just rent it out. You know? Yeah, no, no. Well, Greg, thanks. For call. I think we're. I mean, I think it, it's really it's the first home time home buyers that are really going to have. Um, you know, that, that is an impact. I mean, look, I know that there's a lot of people who, e- even older, who, who ended up refinancing when rates were so cheap. I mean, I, I, I know some really smart people who said last year, hey, if you could get a mortgage for 3%, a 30-year mortgage for 3%, why would you ever pay it off? I mean, everybody... The conventional wisdom is you want to be, you know, you, you want to, by the time you retire, for example, you want to have your mortgage paid off. But it was like, you know, if it, in general, now what's happened in Biden's stock market over the course of the last nine months has been an aberration. But in general, what's happened is, you know, you, you can make more money than 3%. So why, why would you, why would you not invest that money elsewhere where you're making more than the 3% mortgage? That equation changes a little bit when you start talking about interest rates of 6% or more. But, you know, that's it. Jeff, high interest rates are one thing, but that combined with still high home prices, frankly, just puts me out of the market. Yep, I mean, I think there's an element of that. Jeff, rates in the 80s were briefly uh, 18%. Yep, I'm sure they were at some point in time. So, I mean, things are changing, and I think the, the real estate market is changing, and it's going to be really interesting for the last there's no question for the last couple of years, it has been a seller's market. There hasn't been enough inventory on the market that was driving up costs, plus cheap money was encouraging people to pay, maybe overpay for homes. Now that pendulum is starting to swing, and, and maybe that, that is kind of the good news, especially for people that don't necessarily need to borrow a lot of money to finance the purchase of their homes. Bottom line is, um, things are changing, and I guess it depends whether you're a buyer or seller as to whether they're changing for the good or for the bad. Brewers baseball coming up in just a couple minutes. Jeff, your boy Trump. Cap the deductions at 10% for mortgage interest, taxes, and insurance. There's no reason to own property anymore. To which my response was, well, I don't think if President Trump listened to my program during the years that he was there um, and over the last year or two, I don't think he would consider himself to be my boy. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I, I, I still hear from people who say, why are you so hard on Trump? And I guess because I think there's some things he did that were great and there's some things he did that continue to be just absolutely awful and he continues to make it worse. But anyhow, your boy Trump. Cap the deduction at 10% for mortgage interest, taxes, and insurance. There's no reason to own property more. And my response was beyond the fact that Trump wasn't my boy. I think most people would agree that there's a lot of advantages to owning property beyond a tax deduction. Now, back when you could you know, write off your your property taxes and you could write off the, the, the full mortgage interest and stuff, that was an added incentive. But I, I, I think... Most people would tell you that there's, especially given the fact that, generally speaking, property tends to appreciate, um, that there's a, a good reason to continue to own property. But, I mean, there's, there's, I get it. I understand why some people want to rent. You just don't want to have the hassles of that. But as I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad I have owned property over the course of the years. But before we, before we turn it over to Alex for the news and then Brewers baseball, I, I, I've talked about this before, but I admit that there is a story that continues to just amuse me, if if nothing else. All right, 
border states like Arizona and Texas have been overwhelmed for the last several years, and it's gotten worse over the last two years, with people pouring over the border illegally. Customs Service says they arrest about 5,000 people daily coming across the border. And the expectation has been, all right, all these different border communities are going to have to deal with this. All right. Well, a a number of the the, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, has taken to going to, I don't know, a number of the people who've come into this country illegally and said, okay, here's the deal. You got to come back. You got to make your appearances. But who who wants to go to New York City? Who wants to go to Washington, D.C.? Who wants to go to Chicago? And everybody says, that's great. That's we're trying to get to Washington, D.C. We're trying to get to Chicago. So they have been busing a limited number of these illegal immigrants to Chicago, to D.C., and to New York. We're not talking about thousands. We're not talking about tens of thousands. We're talking about relative handfuls, dozens and dozens. And it's just hysterical because you look at the mayor of Chicago. You look at uh, the the mayor. Mayor of D.C. I was just reading a statement from one of the elected representatives. They're, they're acting like they are under siege. This is just terrible. We have this influx of illegal aliens that are coming in here. Well, okay, figure out what Arizona and Texas and the like have been dealing with for years before you end up starting to complain. It, it really is sort of funny that this idea that, okay, it's somebody else's problem, so we can be a sanctuary city because we don't have to face it. But then, you know, you bring a bus with 50 illegal immigrants into Chicago, and you think it's like a major national crisis. I am out of time. I'm back 12 noon tomorrow when we do this all again.